Good evening. How is everybody this evening? Good, good. Welcome to service. Uh, if this is your first time here, uh, first of all, thank you for being here. Uh, we welcome you and we hope that you have enjoyed yourself thus far. But um, beyond that, uh, my name is Blaze Barton. I'm on staff with uh, Chi Alpha here. have been on staff. This is my uh, first full year on staff, but I served as a give year prior to that as well. Um, but I am not the pastor here. Uh, pastor Tom is in St. Louis this week uh, for some District Chi Alpha meetings. Uh, so in turn, uh, I have the honor of uh, standing before you and sharing the gospel this evening. And, and first of all, I want to say that is a huge honor. Um, quick shout out to Pastor Tom. I know he's not here at the moment, but I have a sneaking suspicion he'll be listening to the podcast later uh, and checking up on me. So uh, quick shout out to him. Tom, thank you so much for the opportunity to be uh, sharing your pulpit. This is not something I take lightly, and I want to I honor that as, as full as I can. So thank you so much. Uh, and on a related note, if I might say, um, aren't we blessed with absolutely incredible pastors? Yeah. I am so incredibly grateful to be a part of a church that has such dedicated, hardworking, and loving pastors working on our behalf and praying on our behalf on a daily basis. We are truly, truly blessed. Um, well, if you're here tonight and you have your Bible, I'm going to go ahead and ask that you get that out. Or if you're like me and you're using your smart device, uh, which I am, uh, because I may or may not have left my Bible at home by accident, uh, go ahead and get those kicked on. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 20. Um, and as you do so, I'd like to take just a quick second and um, give you a little bit of a, a, a backtrack of how we got to this point right here, right now. Um, two weeks ago, Pastor Tom kicked off a mini-series uh, on refreshing friendships, where he went about identifying that refreshing friends carry each other's burdens. Um, in this message, he looked at the story of the paralyzed man uh, and his friends who lowered him in from the ceiling to be healed in front of Jesus. Um, in this message, we left understanding that carrying each other's burdens means that we have to know the source, to persistently carry the burdens to Jesus, and we have to have the faith that makes Jesus take notice. This week, uh, we're going to pick back up on that series uh, by looking at a friendship of two guys who love each other very, very much. Um, guys by the name of Jonathan and David. Now, personally, uh, I love this, this passage, and you could start in 1 Samuel 17 and read all the way through 20 and even beyond that, and we could have just a beautiful message, but we don't have time for that tonight. Um, so to just give you a quick backstory, uh, up to this point, David... Uh, is a man that has found his way into King Saul's uh, kingdom as being King Saul's greatest warrior and right-hand man. Um, anywhere you found King Saul in this time period or in the, in the word at this time, you would find David as well. And as a result, um, David uh, began, to a, a, began a relationship, a very powerful relationship with King Saul's son, whose name is Jonathan. Um, but shortly after defeating Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, you find that King Saul uh, creates or in, begins to uh, create in his heart some jealousy for David. For several Israelite women in this time uh, were singing these songs that were something along the lines of, Saul has killed ten, uh, thousands, but David has killed ten thousands. So throughout this, you find uh, King Saul creating a heart of jealousy based on fear of losing his kingship to David. Um, at first, when uh, David shares this information with Jonathan, 
Jonathan has a hard time grasping it, understanding it. I mean, this is his father, so how would he fully understand that, uh, that this jealousy has been created between King Saul and David? Um, but he wanted to make certain that he clung to his friend, and he wanted to make certain that, that uh, if that's true, he wanted to protect his life at all costs. So they create a plan together that during the moon festival, in which both of them are required to be present, um, they, uh, d- uh, excuse me, Jonathan, I said, almost said David, Jonathan's responsibility was to find out for sure if uh, King Saul was still angry at David uh, and that jealousy was still there. So, uh, moon festival comes around, Jonathan is at Saul's table for dinner, and Saul asks, where is David? Uh, And in turn, Jonathan follows it up by saying, David was off with his family for the moon festival, requested he be gone, um, but it's okay, everything will be fine, is that okay? And immediately, King Saul gets very angry, and uh, then... Uh, they agree that um, Jonathan, if, if he found out that for sure he was angry, Jonathan was going to go to a field where David was hiding during this time, shoot three arrows to be a signal that says, uh, things are not safe, flee for your safety and not return. Um, that's just a basic backstory of where we're at and where we're going to pick up. So uh, if you have your scripture, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel 20, verses 30 through 42. And uh, if it's okay, I'd like to ask everybody to stand for the reading of the word. The word is very powerful, it's very encouraging, it's very enlightening, and it it deserves reverence and honor. Would you guys agree? Okay, so we're going to stand for the reading of the word. Um, Picking up in verse verse 30, I believe it's on the screen behind me as we go forward. Um, Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan, you stupid son of a whore. What a start. Do you think that I don't know that you want him, him being David, to be the king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother. As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you will never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. But why should he be put to death? Jonathan asked. What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father really was determined to kill David. Jonathan left the table in fierce anger and refused to eat on the, ne- on the second day of the festival, for he was crushed by his father's shameful behavior toward David. The next morning, as agreed, Jonathan went out into the field and took a young boy with him to gather his arrows, and he said, start running, so you can find the arrows as I shoot them. So the boy ran, and Jonathan shot an arrow beyond him. Uh, when the boy had almost reached the arrow, Jonathan shouted, the arrow is still ahead of you. Hurry, hurry, don't wait. So the boy quickly gathered up all the arrows and ran back to his master. He, of course, suspected nothing. Only Jonathan and David understood that signal. Then Jonathan gave his bow and arrows to the boy and told him to take them back to town. As soon as the boy was gone, David came out from where he was hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is a witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left, and Jonathan returned to town. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that we would be ever-present listening to you tonight. Um, God, I pray that you would speak to us. Uh, Father, I pray that we would 
uh, listen to understand how we can be a more refreshing friend, how we can serve our friends so well and learn from you in the process. Uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear as we go forward tonight. In your name I pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. <clears throat> David and Jonathan are said to have one of the strongest recording friendships ever in the Bible. They care for each other on a very deep level. And it says in chapter 18, which is prior to this point, that upon meeting, they had an immediate bond and that they loved each other as they loved themselves. Now, this love was a very pure kind of love, uh, a, kind that a, love ha a kind of love that a brother has for another that is very deep, very strong, and very powerful. They pursued each other. They had a mutual passion for serving each other, and they worked hard for each other. Much like Tom talked about previously, they knew how to carry each other's burdens, but most importantly, they sacrificed for each other. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Refreshing friends sacrifice for each other. More specifically, refreshing friendships sacrifice resources, opportunities, and their well-being for each other. Quick question. How many of you have ever had somebody give you like an incredibly expensive gift or like an unexpected gift out of the blue? Most of us. Okay, great. So when you receive a gift like that, first of all, it's like super humbling. It's unexpected. Or if it's, if it's worth more than it should be, you're like overwhelmed with uh, a, 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 just a powerful emotion in that moment. And I remember uh, one year uh, previous when I was in college and I was leading a life group, I believe it was uh, Lewis's first year uh, at Mizzou. Around Christmas time, Christmas time, my life group went out of their way to buy, uh, chip in to buy me a pocket knife as their life group leader just for Christmas. It was a nice gift. Um, I completely unexpected it. I've never had that happen before. Uh, and as a result, I was blown away at their consideration and their willingness to sacrifice on my behalf. Now, I intentionally neglected to mention that the knife that they gave me was pink camo in color. But regardless, it meant the world to me that they were willing to give me a gift and to sacrifice on my behalf. It proved their love to me as a brother. The first thing I want to talk about tonight is that refreshing friends sacrifice resources. Um, before we break down the full passage we just read, uh, I want to help us understand why Jonathan was so willing to sacrifice for David. So we're going to revert back two chapters to 1 Samuel 18, verses 3 and 4. It'll be on the screen behind me so you guys can follow along. But this is right after, immediately following, Jonathan and David meeting each other. In verse 3, of chapter 18, it says, And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, his sword, bow, and belt. Now, again, I told you before, upon meeting, there was an immediate bond between them, so much so that David, or excuse me, so much so that Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Now let's stop right there for just a second. What does it mean to love a person as we would love ourselves? I think if we think about that and wrap our heads around that idea, that is an incredibly empowering thought. Let's be real. We all love ourselves a lot, right? In this culture, we're pretty much trained how to love ourselves, think of ourselves, and protect ourselves. But it says that he loved David as he loved himself. 
As much as he loved himself, he loved David. Then it says he proved that love by offering David his robe, tunic, sword, bow, and belt. Now in this time period, it's important to note that those are very valuable possessions to a person in this culture. His robe was his outward expression of value to the world. Much like we would own a nice car, it shows what we value. A robe is a very important, valuable piece, especially to somebody who is preceding a king, his, uh, the son of a king. The tunic he car- or gave was something that always covered his nakedness. It kept him safe. It kept him covered. His sword and his bow were his perfect power weapons for the heat of battle. And his belt was the most valuable tool carrier that a person could have in that time frame. All of these things are pieces that Jonathan worked for or earned, but out of love for his brother, he gave them up. These things, in comparison to his friendship with David, meant nothing, and he wasn't hesitant to prove that. In order for us to be refreshing friends, we have to learn how to sacrifice our resources. Every one of us are different. We have different skills, talents, characteristics, connections, friendships, and possessions. And for you, sacrificing your resources may look something like sharing a meal with somebody who's hungry and down on their luck with finances for a minute. Maybe it's giving a referral of someone you know who can help a friend in need. Maybe it's giving up a possession of something that you have that you don't use that you, for someone that you know will. Maybe it's lending a, a few bucks to a friend in a pinch. Maybe, and if for those who are at conference and heard Eli speak, maybe it's combining together to help a friend cover a school loan so they can make sure they stay on campus. That looks like a lot of things for a lot of people. And all of us have access to different things for a reason. All of us have time to give. All of us have finances to give. Believe it or not, we do. We all have connections to give, and we all have plenty of stuff that we can give. So I would encourage you, wherever you're at, make plans with the friend that you've been neglecting or know you need to hang out with. Set aside, if you're a video gamer or if you like to shop online or whatever that looks like, whatever time you would normally use for that, sacrifice that and make plans for a friend. Connect somebody with a job if you know they're in need. If you know somebody's hiring and you can connect them with that, be that in between. Provide for a need that they have when you have the connection. Buy somebody a meal just because you can. Provide for a need that they need. Have you ever thought that literally every person that you know, every piece of knowledge that you have, every ability that you carry, every dollar you've ever made, and every piece of a thing that you own can be used to help, love, serve, and bless your friends? Can you imagine the amount of love that could be spread through this kind of sacrifice? Refreshing friends sacrifice resources for each other. Secondly, refreshing friends sacrifice opportunities. We'll pick this up in uh, verse 30 of chapter 20 in 1 Samuel. It says, Do you think I don't know that you want him, again, him being David, to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother. As long as that son of Jesse is still alive, 
You will never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. Refreshing friends sacrifice opportunities for each other. This one, I think, is particularly challenging and one that we don't think about as much. And personally, I struggle with this one and I find it very challenging and and hard to do. You see, the life that we live, the culture we're surrounded in, it's continually encouraged us to reach for the next thing, to gain the next position, or to work our way up the proverbial ladder. So naturally, we spend our time growing and nourishing the goals, trying to live up to culture's standard of success on a daily basis. For Jonathan, he was born into royalty. He was born into being the son of a king. So he was already set up to be a succeeding king when his father passes. Needless to say, his life was pretty nicely set up. The only thing, or the only kind of climbing of a ladder he had to do, really, was preparing himself and taking on disciplines as he grew older to prepare himself as a king. That being said, his life was very well set up and well prepared for him. When he met David, something changed. It says in 1 Samuel 18, as I mentioned before, that Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved David as he loved himself. He sealed that pact by taking off his robe, his tunic, sword, bow, and belt, and giving it to David. Now, in this culture, there's a lot of significance to the gifts that Jonathan gave him. Being that he's from a line of royalty, for him to give David his robe means that he is willing to show honor and respect to David, just like people show him honor and respect as the son of a king. Along with that, Jonathan was an expert archer. He had the latest and greatest technology when it came to fighting equipment, especially a nice bow. Giving of his bow and his sword was a means of showing his faith in David's ability to fight. He believed that he was the warrior that so many people had said he was, and he wanted to show equal rank with him. He wanted to give David the understanding and the sense that he saw him of the same importance, the same honor, and the same rank that Jonathan had as the son of a king. In fact, in this culture, handing over a robe and all of your fighting equipment was the symbol of a transfer of kingship. When, the king, when a king was defeated in battle or a promotion of a prince was in order, the king's robe and sword would always be surrendered to mark the end of an era of kingship prior and then begin the new kingship era ahead. In this moment, Jonathan, first of all, to recognize he is a very loyal man of God, well known in the word as being so, recognizes the anointing that the Lord has put on David's life and gladly surrenders his kingship to a friend. Even if it cost him shaming himself and his own mother before an entire kingdom that he has been with his whole life, it was worth it. And something also to note that I find interesting, at the time of which David and Jonathan met, scholars believe that Jonathan was actually approximately 50 years old, and Jonathan was in his 20s. So this wasn't like two guys who were in similar boats of life or similar spots of life and David just happened to be the better fit and, and, and Jonathan felt like he wasn't good enough so he gives it away. Jonathan was well on his way to being king very shortly. His father in the realm of years was on his way to passing away. When he passed away, Jonathan would be taking kingship and he's very close to experiencing that. Yet, 
he was willing to sacrifice a very cherished and royal opportunity that was, had his name on it for someone he felt was very near and dear to his heart, a valued friend. How many of you, how many of I, would be willing to do that? I don't think so, just honestly. I really struggle with this idea, honestly. To think about having that kind of prestige, that kind of lifestyle that I've lived my whole life at my fingertips, with my name literally written on kingship for when my father passes, and then passing it on to somebody else before I get there. I can't grasp that. And really, like, in the life that we live and and the, the culture we're in, that is not a normal train of thought. When an opportunity to move up in any capacity presents itself on a daily basis, naturally we're encouraged to jump on it. And I was having a recent conversation with Tyler about this idea, and I I loved what he said. He said, in order to live like this, to sacrifice opportunities for friends you love, you have to really want to see people win. And he's so right. I believe that setting aside opportunities is one of the most selfless yet honorable things that a person can do. And I think if we take time and pay attention and just look around us, we would see so many opportunities that we can use to raise up other people. What would, what would this world look like if it was full of people who were willing to sacrifice opportunities? What would this university look like if it was filled with people who were willing to sacrifice? What would Chi Alpha look like if it was full of people who were willing to sacrifice their opportunities? Refreshing friends sacrifice opportunities for each other. Thirdly, refreshing friends sacrifice their well-being. 1 Samuel 20, verses 32 and 33 say, But why should he put to death, Jonathan asked his father, what has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. Refreshing friends sacrifice their well-being. Jonathan lays his life on the line for the sake of David's protection. As I said at the beginning, Jonathan struggled to believe that his father was really out with jealousy to kill David. Together, they came together and created a plan of action to determine for sure if King Saul was out to do so. The plan required that Jonathan stand firm against his own father, the king of Israel. And in an effort to protect David, Jonathan puts his neck on the line and defends David to his own father's face. Upon hearing this defense, King Saul then hurls a spear at his own flesh and blood, his own son, with the intent to kill him, making Jonathan realize his father's deeply distorted heart. Jonathan, I think it's important to recognize, has every right to cower in fear at what his father would think in this moment. He didn't have to help protect David, and he didn't have to even show up to the moon festival as he agreed to David. You know that inside there has to be some immense battle going on, that these are two people he loves very, very much, his own flesh and blood and his deepest, closest friend, two people that hold very special places in his heart. He could have just chosen to protect his own well-being, take himself out of harm's way, and protect his relationship with his father in that moment. 
He could have chosen complete innocence and let nature just take its course. But he didn't. For John 15, 13 says, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. The love of a friend is to be cherished. It's something that deserves honor, glory, and reverence. For those who know me, reverence is one of my favorite words because there's so much authority and power in being reverent before something or someone. In some cases, our friends deserve, and I want to emphasize the word deserve, the sacrifice of our own comfortability, our own happiness, and our own well-being. That kind of sacrifice is the kind of sacrifice that forfeits, forfeits the right to safety, the right to peace, the right to simplicity, and the right to stability. It's a risky kind of sacrifice. It may go well, it may not. It has the potential for great reward, but also great remorse. But that sacrifice and that kind of caliber is so, much, is so worth it. And I believe that when a person puts their well-being in jeopardy for the sake of a friend, God sees and honors that specifically. It says in verse 42, At last Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. As a result of Jonathan's sacrifice in that moment, both Jonathan and David and their children were anointed for days to come. If you read further on in 1 Samuel, you actually find that King, all of King Saul's uh, kids and their families pass away besides Jonathan and his family who remained for years to come. That sacrifice also laid the groundworks of protection over David as he was being pursued by a King Saul for days to come on past that, and then throughout so many years of his kingship, all because of a sacrifice from a friend. I believe that the works of a life-for-life life moment, God sees, honors, blesses, and protects for days on end. Our well-being is something that we cherish, right? Yeah? I believe that's also something that God very much cherishes. He longs for us to be happy. He longs for us to be comfortable and safe. He wants us to enjoy life, and he wants us to be greatly blessed by the Father. That being said, I, I believe he also longs for us to trust him with our own lives. When he hung on a cross, he taught us specifically just how firmly he defends friends who put their lives on the line for somebody else, a.k.a. Jesus putting his life on the line for us. He is the kind of God that stands up for a person who can't stand up for themselves. We can be the kind of people that stand up for somebody who can't stand up for themselves. We can risk our life or our name by putting our our blessing or our faith in somebody and we can even put ourselves in harm's way if need be because a friend is worth it right ultimately refreshing friends sacrifice their well-being refreshing friendships sacrifice for each other now typically i would begin a message um, like this with defining the word sacrifice and then as we moved forward throughout the message i would expand upon it in that sequential order. However, tonight I intentionally wanted to wrap this message up with specifically defining what it means to sacrifice. 
The word sacrifice in today's modern dictionary means to give something of value up for the sake of something or someone else. This is very interesting to me, however, because the word sacrifice actually originates from two Latin roots. The first one is sacer, which means sacred, and the second word is facir, which means to make. So in turn, the root meaning of the word sacrifice actually means to make sacred. Considering that the word sacred means something of great value and of an importance, Sacrificing fr- our for excuse me, sacrificing for our friendships revolves solely around making our friends more sacred. Not just feel more sacred, but be more sacred. This is interesting because I think all of society, our minds, when we think of the word sacrifice, revolves around what am I giving up. Yes, it is for somebody's grander benefit, like we want to uh, help them out, but still I find myself looking at what I'm giving up. What am I having to sacrifice? Jonathan, however, simply sees that his relationship with David and the things that he can do, sacrificing his resources and his opportunities and his well-being, is just a means of making David more sacred. It's not about what he's giving up but it's about what David is receiving. And I believe that sacrifice, if not carefully considered from the heart of God, can be more about what one is giving than one is, what one is actually receiving. And I want to specifically bring this around at the end because I believe this defines the very attitude of our sacrifice. Sacrifice shouldn't be about what we're giving. For that matter, what we're giving shouldn't really matter. I'm, saying, I'm not saying that you need to be unrealistic and give away everything that you've ever owned in your life. I think there's wisdom to be had. But I do think that sacrifice is about what your friend is going to be receiving. It should be about making others, making your friends more sacred. Jesus came to earth and died on a cross, and he didn't do it because his life was valuable. He did it because he wanted to make us more sacred. He, he didn't shed blood on Calvary to give his life away. He shed blood on Calvary so we could be brought to glory. And I believe this is what defines true leadership, true humility, and true, I'm going to say it again, reverence. If you want to be a good leader, give away your opportunities for a spotlight. If you want to be a good leader, give away your opportunities to move up. Make people more sacred and allow Jesus to be the one that makes you more sacred. It's not about what we give away. It's about what they receive. Refreshing friendships sacrifice for each other. To make a sacrifice is to make someone sacred. Mitch Album, who is a journalist and author, wrote this once. Sometimes when you sacrifice something precious, you're not really losing it. You're just passing it on to someone else. When you choose to sacrifice something, you're choosing to live generously. You're choosing to live in humility. You're choosing to set aside self-interest, no matter how strong it might be, and allow someone to experience a blessing. You're choosing to make someone more sacred. That, in and of itself, is true selflessness. That is true respect. That is true love, and I believe that is true sacrifice. 
And as I said before, like each of us know what it feels like. I think, I think it's important to recognize how that makes us feel because in turn, that makes, that's how other people feel when we do it. Those things make us feel really important, uplifted, and quite frankly, sacred. And depending on what it is, being, on, being, uh, being sacrificed for is something that puts me on cloud nine. Does anybody else relate to that? Like when somebody does something sweet for you, you're like up here. And especially if it revolves around food, it's like up here, up here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when, I, when I know somebody has sacrificed something for me, I experience a grander gratitude for that person than I've experienced in a long time. At the same time, when somebody sacrifices me, I also experience a grander respect for that person's humility and that person's trust in Jesus than I've seen in a long time. And here's the thing, friends. We can live like David and Jonathan. How do we sacrifice like Jonathan and David in today's world? I think it revolves around a few things. We have to understand that friendships are precious, simply put. We have to understand that friends are worth giving up our resources, our opportunities, and our well-being for. We have to understand that joy that comes from sacrificing these things that the Lord has already blessed us with, for that matter, is, is, will be, he will be faithful to us and bless us in return. I'm going to say that again. We have to understand that joy comes from sacrificing these things that God has already blessed us with, and he, in turn, will be faithful to us. And we have to understand that the need for generosity is so present in this world. This world desperately needs a Jonathan and David culture of generosity. So what does that look like practically? Base level, easy stuff. You can give a ride to somebody if they need a ride. You can sacrifice or give up some fun time for some friend time. You can sacrifice a very prized possession that you have for somebody else's benefit. You can offer somebody, this one's a little bit more challenging, you can offer somebody a scholarship who struggles to pay for their own schooling. You can give someone that promotion that you've been pursuing for so long at work so they can create grander skills. And I think this one's even, even more challenging. You, you can give up the blessing, or excuse me, you can give someone the blessing of a romantic relationship that you originally wanted to pursue. You can be a refreshing friend who sacrifices for the ones you love. With that kind of heart, I believe wholeheartedly that you become even grander than any king that has ever walked this earth in the eyes of the Lord. Your humility begins to change the atmosphere around you. Your friendships will become stronger your love will become more tangible. Your joy will become more evident. And truly speaking, a person who is willing to sacrifice to this degree carries a beauty and an allure that is so powerful because the Lord Almighty God smiles on you with great gladness, saying, well done, thy faithful, good and faithful servant. So I have a question. Are you willing to be that refreshing friend? Are you willing to sacrifice for your friends? Are you willing to make your friends more sacred? 
I'm going to ask everybody to go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes if you don't care.